I've had decades of my family and everybody telling me, oh, don't brag. Men don't like women who brag. And I'm like, but it's not a brag. If I did it and it's something I'm proud of, why shouldn't I tell people? So I'm learning to be better at that. So I understand the women who feel uncomfortable, but at the same time, there's a need out there for more women to stand up and for women to network and support each other. I mean, you know, the old boys network, that's a cliche for a reason. It's been around for centuries. Women don't have the same thing. We need to build it and the time to start building it is now. Hi everyone, it's Johanna with Promo Kitchen and VP of Sales at Access Powered by Halo, which I'm still getting used to saying. I'm here today with Charity Gibson. If you don't know Charity, who are you and why are you listening? She is the VP of National Accounts at Peerless Umbrella. And today we have a special woman. We have Christine Treve, who is the Director of Marketing at Applique Getaway. Thank you both for joining us today. Thanks for having us. Thank you. Why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself and your role as Director of Marketing? My role at Applique Getaway, they hired me this year to be the Director of Marketing and Outreach. I've been building their social media. I've been working with recruiting new vendors. It's been a really, really good experience so far, and I'm really excited to put my stamp on things. So that's been really fun. Awesome. I know that you have a weekly show that you do when you host through Facebook. I know Charity's been on it and is around women in different areas of business. Mm Mm-hmm. How are you finding women to connect with and to amplify through this? And what's the experience of being this weekly been like for you? Finding the women has been interesting. I started out basically recruiting people I knew because, you know, that's where you start. Hey, you're a friend and you're kind of interesting. Will you come on my show? And then people who had been guests started suggesting other people to be on the show with me. So. I'll have somebody as a guest and then they'll send me an email like a week later and go, hey, I know these two really cool women you should talk to. And so I reach out to them and it's just like this chain effect of finding new people to be on the show. Plus, as you know, from when we were in the meeting for the Shirt Lab Women's Nexus, I pretty much recruited everybody in the group I was in to try to get them to be on the show. You did. So I'm not shy about it. Charity. Since you host a podcast for women as well, do you find that it's the same approach for you where you're sort of just always listening for the new name to follow or you get referrals? People refer themselves onto your show. Yeah. So for Badass Women Promo, it's very similar. I proactively didn't want to talk about myself and didn't necessarily want to be the one like picking out people like, oh, you're a badass and you're a badass. So like you're saying, Christine, I really do ask the guests to refer other guests or who do they consider to be a badass woman of promo. And then the other unique thing that we did, I think for us is we put it on the website, you know, it's like, who do you consider to be a badass woman of promo? And we have the nomination form open. So we're actively asking people to just call people out more, just kudos, accolades. People like to get that at a girl, I guess, pat on the back and get called out for their awesomeness. And it's really nice because definitely, yeah, there's people that are not on my radar. I mean, Christine, like, If somebody wouldn't have said to you, have charity, like we would have never met, hadn't been in the group. So right, yeah, it's really fun. The exploration and discovery process of using other people to find other people. In speaking with others in the industry that have podcasts, one of the things I hear 
it's a challenge is finding guests. Sometimes it's the biggest challenge. And I've actually heard of many people stopping podcasts because they can't find the right people to host or be on with. And you guys seem to have the opposite problem where, Charity, I love that you asked for nominations. And Christine, it sounds like people have come to you so, you know, holistically, it sounds like such a great pipeline of people that you have. So it seems like you have the opposite problem of most content providers. I think for me, I also do something similar to charity in that I put things up on social media. I have a group called Women in Garment Decoration, where I'll ask periodically, is there somebody you think I should be talking to? I mean, I'm not going to lie. There have been a few spots where I ended up just doing a show by myself because I didn't have a guest. But for the most part, I've been pretty lucky. And I also have to say, I absolutely love the name of Charity's podcast. If she hadn't thought of it, I would steal it because I love Badass Women of Promo. That's so good. It's so good. It makes you want to be on the podcast. Like if you're in our industry, you're like, oh man, I want to be on that podcast so bad. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Thank you guys. You're so sweet. Well, I think it's something you said, Johanna, the idea that you know, some people end up shutting down their podcasts because they don't have guests or because, you know, for whatever reason, I feel like that goes back to the very crux of what we're doing and being in business. Like we have to be good at advertising and showing people what we've got. I say it all the time. You can have the best pizza on the planet, but if nobody knows about it, you're not going to sell any of it. So it's one thing to have a podcast, but it's a completely separate thing to market that podcast and let people know that it's there. And then the second thing is too, it's like, bringing people into your story. And when they're excited to be part of your story and you're actively making them the hero of that story, it's really interesting because they become brand advocates for you. I have to share it. I was excited to be part of this. Now, like I'm associated with this great podcast and I'm going to share that for you. And that draws people in. And I just think it's really, to me, very run parallel with you know, running an actual business and how we go about marketing. It all ties into being able to tell our story and getting people excited about it as well. Absolutely. Definitely. Talking a little bit about that, obviously coming out of a weird year, podcasts, we've all been kind of jumping into Facebook lives and different things like that. Also resiliency. A lot of people have learned a lot about themselves during these last couple months, especially a huge period of introspection and growth. So Curious, just not even about the Facebook lives that you're doing, but just in business in general and just you in general, what have you learned about yourself and also the industry that you're in throughout the last year during the pandemic and now moving into wherever we are now? (laughs) One of the things that I learned is I actually like being an interviewer better than I like being interviewed, which I did not really know. But there's something fun about pulling somebody else's story from them and maybe helping them realize something that they didn't even know. I also have a huge amount of, I don't know, body dysmorphia for lack of a better word. So being on camera is tougher for me than I thought it would be, but I'm also liking it more than if that's a paradox, I understand. But being on camera has kind of forced me to get past the stuff that I don't like about the way I look and just concentrate on, I guess, the good that I can put out by doing what I'm doing. It has made a difference in how I think about myself in a kind of weird way. I don't know if that makes any sense, but I know a lot of women have body image issues and 
forcing myself to be on camera and just get over it has really helped. And just putting some good out in the world. I mean, the last year has been tough. My job upended the job I had prior to what I do now upended because of the pandemic. And I just wanted to put something good out there. And this was one way I thought I could do it. I personally, I mean, I obviously have similar issues just growing up and I was overweight and I just have consistently, I have body dysmorphia in a sense. I don't talk about it probably as often as I maybe should as far as an influential standpoint, but I love that you brought that up. The second thing that I think makes a huge impact is that you're staring that fear head on and it's like Picasso. Like if, you know, I, my mind tells me that I cannot paint, my fear tells me that I cannot paint, then by all means paint and the fear will be silenced. Mm -hmm. The idea that all of a sudden what was so scary to think about getting on camera and going live and, you know, being face forward for everybody to see the more that you do it, the less of an impact it has and the less anxiety that it creates. And so thanks for telling us that, I guess, that story of overcoming. And it's so interesting to me that all of the things that we were scared about and that we think people are going to think, it kind of washes away in the face of, like you said, sharing good news and telling stories and making friends. I know our faces are important and our bodies are important because that's what people see. But I think even people's perceptions of us change based off of what we say, like what they see changes based off of like our heart and what we put out there too. So thank you for putting that out there that way. I appreciate it personally, just because I know I have the same issues. I know we're not alone either. So much appreciated that comment. And I think that helps to know that you're not alone. And one thing that anyone who's ever watched women in business will know is there's very little I don't talk about. I've talked about painful issues in my life. I've talked about dealing with depression. I've talked about body image issues because I think that stuff is important. And like you were saying, Charity, it helps to know there's other people who have these issues too and who are dealing with these same problems and who can get over them or get through them, however you want to put it. So that's what I'm really trying to do. There isn't much that's off limits on my show. I just kind of talk about whatever seems helpful. I have to put my two cents in as well, because I'm smiling and nodding my head over here. This podcast clearly wasn't about body image or dysmorphia, but this, maybe this could be an entire podcast in itself. So glad you brought that up and was not expecting it from you at all. So I do want to just pause and reflect on how powerful that was for you to share and what you're learning from that. I also struggle with this. I was overweight when I was younger and not just like a chubby kid. I was actually very overweight. And so you're right. It's something a lot of women struggle with and don't talk about enough. I know Charity and I have had some deep conversations about things like this, but kudos to you for just putting yourself out there and sort of working through that and taking the pandemic to better yourself in that way. And not only better yourself, but talk to other people about it, right? Everyone listening right now can sort of nod their head and say, I'm going through that, or I know someone going through that. So thank you for helping empower our community as well. I love that you guys think that. That's wonderful. I have to say, from my standpoint, getting someone on camera who told me, oh, no, I could never do a podcast because I'm so scared. And I've had a few. And getting them on and making them comfortable and having a really great hour where they talk about stuff they never thought about talking about, and they ended up doing it. And they got done at the end. And they said that was really fun. And for me, that's worth anything to see somebody else overcome 
I'm right there for that. Awesome. So moving on to our next question, I guess maybe talk to us a little bit about your work at Applique Getaway and what you do there and a little bit more about the company as a whole. What we want to talk about here is really the industry of not just promotional, but specifically decoration and decoration meaning in printing of apparel as well as embroidery. So any sort of decoration on apparel. Tell us a little bit about your company so I can lead into our next question about some disconnects. Okay. Applicant Getaway is actually a trade show. And it was founded in 2013 by a woman named Lindsay Salcido. And what she was looking for was at that time, she had quite a following and her followers had been telling her, we want a place to get together and have fun and learn stuff. And she decided, well, okay, I'll make that place. So she started Applique Getaway, which started out pretty small at first. And it's run every year since 2013, except for last year, obviously, when the pandemic pretty much killed everything as far as trade shows. And what I do for them is they brought me in earlier this year to be their director of marketing and outreach. My focus has been recruiting new vendors, some from the business side of the industry, which is where I have more of my contacts, and also their social media. Now, the people who attend this show, they're people with businesses, they're people who are doing it as a hobby. It's a real mixed bag, but we deal with rhinestones, sublimation, vinyl, embroidery, pretty much every garment decoration technique you can name. So it's really a fun group. They love education. I think this show we're offering 72 plus classes for people to take and their social hours and their shopping. It's just a really great thing. But the focus is really decoration and promo products and how to learn to be better and how to build your business. So it's really an exciting group and a great team to be part of. And I'm very pleased to be helping them get bigger. Awesome. And so our industry, as you know, is promotional products. And so I'm a distributor, charity is a supplier, and we have service providers in our industry. And all of our hands are in the pot in some way, shape, or form around decoration for garments and all of that good stuff. What we're hearing a lot lately, and something I think we already knew, was that there's a real true disconnect in our industry between perhaps the distributor and the service providers being decorators. Why do you feel that's there? I know one of the things that I'm seeing with Applique Getaway and what I'm doing is that I'll talk to people about it and they'll say, oh, well, those are just cottage industry people or those are just home business people. And I'm like, dude, we just had a pandemic. Home business people can be doing a million dollars a year now. You can't write those people off. So I think that's a little bit of the disconnect is that some suppliers are looking for people with brick and mortar stores or they have, you know, very, very high minimums or whatever. And not everybody works that way anymore. But I think it's getting better. One of the lessons that I learned at the very first trade show that I ever vended at was that you can never assume based on someone's appearance or the name of their company or where they work from that they don't have money. Because the first year that I did a trade show, 
we had this guy come into the booth and he was, you know, jeans and a printed shirt on and he wore a hat and he didn't look like anybody, you know, he just looked like a guy. And he ended up spending a ton of money and buying a ton of equipment. So it just goes to show you never know. And I think everybody just needs to kind of set aside their preconceived assumptions and just take every relationship on its own merits, if that makes sense. That makes a ton of sense to me. I feel like you really hit the nail on the head. For me, it boils down to how people define success. I know when I started my distributor company, part of it was that I had left my previous company who was demanding 40, 50, 60 hours a week. And I had to have $20,000 in gross profit per month. If it went below that for three months, we got written up and put on probation. And if we didn't get the numbers up, then we were facing, you know, being potentially laid off. And, you know, that was that particular company's expectation for minimum standards in order to continue to do business as a distributor for them. But when I had my daughter and my whole life got turned upside down, I'm like, all of a sudden, that was not my definition of success anymore. And that was not what I was striving to achieve. My time became so much more valuable. And so what I love about the decorated apparel industry, well, a couple things. One is that some of it is passion projects. And people really love what they do, even though it's smaller orders. It's higher margins or higher prices. So we're in the promotional products industry. We might, you know, sell a sublimated mug for four bucks or five bucks, depending on quantity. Some of the kind of, you know, decorators or more crafter type thing, like you're getting 20 and $30 a mug. We could never get those margins. I think there's a lot for us to learn about just honing in our craft and putting passion into play. But also I feel like redefining what success looks like and removing judgment from our sales process where, you know what, my goal might be to write $5 million as a distributor. And, you know, that's what success looks like to me at that particular junction in my life. There are people that make fantastic money and are able to support their families and still be at soccer games and volunteer in their child's classroom. And we kind of have to normalize having a well-rounded vision around what success looks like for people. So I love that you brought that up and I appreciate that so much. And I think decorators play a huge part in the promotional products industry. It's not just apparel, obviously decoration can mean screen printing and direct to garment and pad printing on, you know, hard goods. So I feel like we have, I guess, a lot to learn, which kind of leads me to my next question, Christine, what opportunities do you see, you know, between us? And we kind of talked about, you know, what's kind of maybe causing that rift or that divide. But, you know, having kind of a hand in both sides or at least, you know, being able to look into the promotion products industry, Joe mentioned we're coming together and collaborating a little bit more and it's happening more and more often, a little bit more visibility. But what opportunities do you see coming about from that? And do you see any potential drawbacks or negatives as well as that divide continues to shrink and the wall, you know, kind of disappears and we're collaborating a little bit more? Well, I think the biggest opportunity that I see, and this has really been reinforced by the work that I'm doing now, is how eager people are to learn. Classes, webinars, seminars, posting how-tos on social media, all that kind of stuff. Because people on the actual decoration side 
really want to know how do I best use the equipment? How do I best use the products? What are some tips and tricks? All that kind of stuff. So I think there's a real opportunity there for the companies that really devote themselves to education and who really are out there helping people learn the best way to use what they're buying. Because there are a lot of people who really want to do really interesting and cool things, for lack of a better word, but they don't quite have the ability or the information to be able to do that. So if you can supply that for them, you're going to have customers for life. So I think that's one thing. I know with the past year with supply shortages and stuff like that, that's been a big barrier and a thing that people have complained about in some areas. But I think most people have an understanding of how things worked and why that happened. So I think that really just needs to be about communication. Be transparent with people. Tell them what your problems are and when they're going to be fixed and all that kind of stuff. And, you know, any salesperson in any company worth their salt knows that they need to do that anyway. But education is, I think, the big opportunity. And maybe shortages and supply chain issues might be the barrier right now. Yeah, I think you're exactly right. I love bringing up education as an opportunity. You know, and that requires just getting rid of some of those stereotypes and being willing to teach. I know at least in some of the groups that I've been seeing and hearing, some of it is frustration with ignorance. And I don't mean ignorance, you know, in a bad way. I mean, ignorance is people just don't know what they don't know. And I think that it's important that we be more forthcoming with information and intentional about helping people find it. So 100% agree. That's a great analysis there. I agree. That's a great point. I think the pandemic, you know, in the beginning, there was a lot of talk in our industry, particular around too much content and everyone trying to put so much out because people clearly had more time to be on the internet while they were working when sales were down. But so many people did it right and, you know, hosted webinars and free training. And there's so many Facebook lives and how to's and whether it's how to build your LinkedIn profile or how to use Canva, there's so much out there. And if you're willing to make the time to learn, you know, if you're not doing it now, don't tell me that you don't have the time. You know, things are thankfully getting better, but you should really have taken some time this year to learn a new skill within your industry that's going to make you better. Definitely agree with that. I just did an article for Graphics Pro Magazine where I wrote about the positive side of the pandemic. I don't really like that characterization, but it's the only way I can think of to say it. And one of the things was that so many people put effort into teaching others or learning something new and that we had a little extra time to do it. So I think that is one of the things that maybe was a good trend that came out of the last year for us. And I hope that does continue. Really, really great points. And I think, you know, obviously continuing to just talk about it and have these conversations, definitely one way to just continue to bring awareness to it and help that become more prevalent as well. Kind of shifting gears a little bit. I know we talked a little bit about women in business and women in garment decoration and just decoration in general at the beginning of the podcast. I'm curious, kind of, again, shifting gears, not a big secret. The world of decoration used to be kind of a good old boys club a little bit. And I know I've pointed it out in a couple of different things that the optics at least would favor, you know, it's kind of an uneven scale when it comes to males versus females in the printing industry. 
behind the scenes, maybe they're not face forward, there are a ton of women. You know, the decoration industry is really powered by a lot of really strong, talented, passionate women. Do you find the shift is being more inclusive towards women? And has that happened? And how are you seeing that play out? Where are you seeing that? And what opportunities do you see for women to be more of a force in the decoration industry? Well, I have to be honest, that was partly why Women in Business started, was I was looking at the speaker lineups for a lot of the trade shows and the people who were being recruited as experts on podcasts and things like that, or webinars or whatever. And it seemed to be a lot of the same faces and a lot of men. And no disrespect to those faces or those men, because they're all very knowledgeable and very good at what they do. And they deserve the camera time and the notoriety that they're getting. But I felt like women were underrepresented. I mean, just from my show and just in the screen printing world, Heather Striebel was on my show, Marge from Big Lick Screen Printing. And there have been others and other people that have been on shows I've done Tiffany Rader Spitzer did the podcast that I did when I was working with the two regular guys. So, you know, there's a lot of women out there who are knowledgeable, who have a lot to share, who have a lot of experience. And I also think there's something to be said for having women in the front or on camera so that young women who are looking at maybe getting into the space can see people who look like them. Same with people of color for that matter, because you don't see as much of that. You have to kind of look a little harder sometimes to find people in those demographics. So I think the opportunity is definitely there. I know I'm doing things like encouraging people in my groups and on my podcast to put in suggestions to speak at trade shows to figure out what your area of expertise is and approach a company you'd like to work with and say, hey, I'd like to be on your next podcast, or I'd really like to do your next webinar or whatever it is. But the thing is, I'm not going to say the companies won't come to you because some of them will. But there has to be a comfort level with putting yourself out there and saying, I know how to do this. I would be good at this. I'd like a shot at this. And I think if enough women do that, then we're going to see the picture of who's getting camera time and who's speaking at trade shows and who's being on the webinars is going to look a little different. And I think that would be a good thing. Absolutely. And on the flip end, you know, we all know Marshall Atkinson, former Promo Kitchen chef. And, you know, look what he's doing with the Sherlock event that you and I are both a part of and how you and I connected. Mm Mm-hmm. I know you said you've recruited everyone there to speak on your show, but I recruited you when we met through that setup call. And look what Marshall's doing. You know, he's really empowering and amplifying women's voices in this industry. And kudos to him for really putting that together. Terry Combs and Aaron Montgomery, who do Two Regular Guys, they lent me their platform once a quarter for two years so I could do women-oriented panel podcasts. You know, I certainly don't want to imply that there aren't men out there who are supporting women and helping women and who are open to women being on camera and being out front, because that's certainly not true. Like you said, Marshall and Aaron and Terry and a number of others. But I think women have to take responsibility to do it for themselves, too. And part of the problem is that 
a lot of women either think they don't have the credentials or they're just nervous about it. They're uncomfortable about it. And, you know, like we were talking about earlier, sometimes you just have to walk through that for the greater good. And I think the greater good is putting women out there so other women can see them and they can have role models and they can see that people who look like them are doing these things. Because if all you see is, you know, white guys doing everything, then you start wondering if, gee, maybe this isn't a place that I belong. And I think it's a place everybody belongs. Once you're in the industry, one of the things that's the best about it is how inclusive it is. I mean, the industry has accepted me. I've never printed a shirt. I've embroidered once in my life. I basically just learn stuff from people and go tell other people about it. And it happens to be in this industry, but I'm still a part of the industry. How many industries would let you do that? So you got to love garment decoration and promo products. Absolutely. Johanna, this makes me think of you, especially with your girls, some of the stories that have come out that I've heard. The idea of being an advocate for ourselves and how often we wait for permission from people. And I appreciate the men in our lives spotlighting female professionals, like here's who we consider the top 10 females or whatever. And I 100% appreciate those efforts. And I know that they're all coming from a great place. But one of the things that I've been sitting back and kind of watching this year is how often, and not just women, minorities, just people in general, it doesn't matter your skin color, your race, your gender, your sexual preference or anything. We as a human race, for some reason, wait until we're given permission. And maybe that goes back to like, don't speak unless you're spoken to or, you know, whatever. I'm like, somebody has to speak first in order for me to be spoken to. Someone has to be given the permission to speak first and they don't wait for that permission. They take it. And you know what? Then if there's no seat at the table, pull one up. Joe, I love hearing you go out there and professing this. And Christine, it was good to hear you just say this. Be an advocate for yourself. Learn what the opportunities are and then not force your way in in a bad way, but you know, find ways that you can get involved from the ground up and make your voice heard. And you will find as you get higher in the ranks or build your network, I think one of the things that has been most encouraging to me is that I was this little pipsqueak of a voice, but the most successful people that I know lift as they climb. And if you continue to tell your story and fight for yourself, all it is going to take is that one person that hears it, that has a platform and shares it. You mentioned two regular guys in my life. That was Mark Graham and I'm forever grateful. And, you know, I love hearing that. And I love that call to action. Just be an advocate for yourself and the other people around you. Agreed. Tara, do you know how I feel about this? And you mentioned my girls. I've had conversations with my six-year-old about her needing to speak up for what she wants at school and everything. And I've seen it in action and I love it. And in this industry as well, I'll give you an example, a distributor, woman owns, they'd recently done something in the industry. And I was mentioning that it should be shared on their socials. I had noticed it wasn't shared. And, you know, we should be bragging about our accolades and giving ourselves credit. And she said, well, I don't really want to share it. It's, I feel bad. I feel weird. And I said to her, show up for yourself. Show up. 
be an athlete for yourself. And she's like, you're still right. And she did. And she ended up getting 55 new followers through something she did through our industry. And, you know, I'm so glad that she puts herself out there a little bit more. And we just need to empower women to do that more and more all the time. Yeah, I don't think it should be a bad thing to clap for ourselves. Sometimes it's somehow in society, we want to be non egotistical. And people have started, I think, equating humility to self deprecation, or denigrating our accomplishments. And so we feel weird celebrating ourselves. But you know what, we look at how far we've gone, celebrate at the summit. And also, I think you mentioned something else, Christine, earlier. It's like when we do this, or you know, we say these things, or we do these things, or we post these things, or we get on camera, that's how we empower other people to be empowered is by doing it ourselves and by showing them that it's okay to share their story. And by them sharing their story, look how many people that helps. And so don't keep your good news to yourself, share it. And the people that, you know, do make fun of you or have bad things to say, that says way more about the quality of their character than it does about yours. I totally agree with that. And one of the things I have to say that I found that I completely did not expect when I started doing, it started as far back as the panel podcast, but when the Women in Garment Decoration group came into being, and then when Women in Business started, and I've spoken at trade shows and things, is the number of people who tell me that they needed to hear what I had to say, and they needed to see what I was doing. And I don't say that in a I'm so great way, even though it's a wonderful thing to hear, and I love hearing it. But more the fact that there are so many people out there who are looking for positive messages and role models and support, who need people to say the things that people like, you know, all of us are saying here. And they don't necessarily know to ask for it. But when they find it, they'll get so into it and they'll get so much out of it that, you know, it's totally worth doing. So now I can't imagine not doing what I do. And not just because it's important to other people, because it's important to me, because this is my footprint that I'm putting out in the world. And if I'm going to put something out, I want it to be positive and beneficial and help other people. And this is one way I can do that. So I'm going to keep working at it. Awesome. Something else I want to talk about shifting gears a little bit and just talking a little bit today about getting uncomfortable and making sure that we advocate for ourselves is what's something in your experience in this industry that's made you uncomfortable and that you'd like to see changed, whether it's about, you know, women representation or is it something else? I don't know if uncomfortable is the right word. Annoyed maybe would be a better word. And I think that is, it's kind of a twofold thing. One is the lack of representation for women, and it's not everywhere and it's not all the time. And I do think there are a lot of organizations that are taking steps to maybe rectify things and make some changes. But it does bother me when I look at the speaker panel for an event and it's all the same guys that I see every time. Or, you know, I go to a webinar and it's the same three male experts. But the other half of that is what we were just talking about, which is you can't expect people to reach out to you and say, here, here's your seat at the table. You have to advocate for yourself. So the other half of this that frustrates me is the women I talk to who are smart and funny and talented and successful 
and I say, hey, you should really come up with an idea and, you know, pitch a seminar for next year's Impressions Expo or Graphics Expo or whatever, or, you know, DAX or whatever it is. And they say, oh, no, I can't. I wouldn't feel comfortable doing that. Or what you were saying earlier, Joanna, about, you know, you had that friend who did something really great and didn't put it on social media. I'll admit this here on the air. I have a huge problem with that myself. I'm great at promoting other people. I stink at promoting myself. I'm not good because I've had decades of my family and everybody telling me, oh, don't brag. Men don't like women who brag. And I'm like, but it's not a brag. If I did it and it's something I'm proud of, why shouldn't I tell people? So I'm learning to be better at that. So I understand the women who feel uncomfortable, but at the same time, there's a need out there for more women to stand up and for women to network and support each other. I mean, you know, the old boys network, that's a cliche for a reason. It's been around for centuries. Women don't have the same thing. We need to build it. And the time to start building it is now because we're only all getting older. So we got to get on this stuff. We are only getting older. That is a sad reminder. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you know, I mean, it is the truth. I was reading a really, really good book about the young people who were in the civil rights movement in the 60s. It's by David Halberstam. It's called The Children. Wonderful book. One of the things they said is, wasn't this coming anyway? Why couldn't you just wait until it came? And they said, we couldn't wait. We had to go out and make these things happen because it wasn't right. And we weren't being represented the way we wanted to be represented. And our talents weren't being used the way they could have been used. So we had to go out and make it happen. And that was scary and violent and sometimes horrible. And I'm not implying that women going into the promo industry is going to have the exact same effect or impact or things are going to happen like happened with the civil rights movement. But it is scary. It is scary to walk outside your comfort zone. It is scary to go to somebody and say, I'm good at this. I think I can do this. It's terrifying. But the other side of doing that can be just the greatest thing ever. And when you see the impact that you can make just by doing small little things, it makes such a difference. It's so interesting that you bring that up, the concept of, well, why didn't you just wait until it happened? And stuff happening requires a catalyst. So what would the catalyst be and what am I waiting for? I've never been very good at sitting on my hands. So hearing that statement, it's like, if you don't do and you're waiting for it to happen, it's not going to happen because nobody is doing anything to make it happen. So be the one that makes it happen. I love that. And I have to say too, for those people out there who think they shouldn't speak up and who are nervous or scared or don't have a lot of confidence, I was in your shoes. I grew up in a childhood where I was basically told that women should shut up, sit down and make dinner, basically. I had zero self-confidence when I was in my 20s. It took me a really, really long time. And now I look at who I am now versus who I was, you know, 20, 30 years ago, and it's a completely different person. It wasn't easy, but it was so, so worth it because I like this person. I'm proud of what this person's done. So if you have had a rough childhood, if you've had a rough relationship, if you've had people put you down and tell you you're worth nothing, 
I was about to say a really, really rude word, and I didn't. Screw them. Let's say that. You're worth more. You're better than this. You can do great things if you just put yourself out there and do them. And do them when you're scared and do them when you don't think you can, because you can do more than you think. So that's my PSA for the day. (laughs) That is fantastic advice. I guess to finish up here, you segued us perfectly into this the concept of being proud of ourselves or liking who we are or what we've done. Last question of the day, Christine, can you tell us about your favorite project or something memorable from your career that you are proud of yourself for accomplishing and for doing? Oh boy. There's a couple of things. I have to say very proud of the Women in Garment Decoration podcast that I did with two regular guys. That was the first of its kind, I believe, in the industry, a panel podcast that talked about women's issues. So I was very proud of that. Currently, just the work I'm doing with Applique Getaway. I mean, to be able to come into something that had already existed for so long and see the difference that I'm able to make with what I've learned and the connections I've made I'm really proud of that too. I have to say I'm proud of the show as a whole. I'm proud of being a part of that team because they're a great group of mostly women, by the way, which is really awesome. And Mark and John, Mark and John, I didn't leave you guys out, but mostly it's women. And I think those are two things. And personally, I just am really proud of how far I've come from that scared little girl and young woman who barely would talk to anybody, who never would have been on camera, who never would have done a seminar. And the fact that I did it just makes me really proud of myself. And thank you for that, because I really hadn't honestly said that to myself in a while. So it's kind of nice to realize that. Excellent. We could talk to you for hours, clearly. But as we wrap this up, is there anything you want to share that maybe we missed? And how can people reach you if they want to get any more information or follow you? If you're female and on Facebook, the Women in Garment Decoration group is a place where you can see me and what I'm thinking and what I'm talking about quite regularly. There's a website, www.christineshreve.com. I have a blog and talk about some of the stuff I do there. And then if you go to Applicate Getaway in July, you'll meet me there. (laughs) And Also, I'm on Facebook. Reach out to me. I love to meet new people. If you have suggestions for people who should be on the podcast, Women in Business is the podcast. There's also a Facebook page for that. So any of those places. If you have any suggestions for future guests, please let Christine know. She'd love them. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. I have to say that's been one of the most wonderful things about this show is having someone on the show and having them enjoy doing it enough that they're willing to recommend it to someone else. That makes me feel really good. Excellent. Well, thank you so much for being on and we will talk to you soon. Thank you. Thanks again for listening to this edition of the Promo Kitchen podcast. If you like what you hear, you can subscribe to the podcast through iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. And remember, you can always get involved in the Promo Kitchen community by visiting us at promokitchen.org. You can also show your support by donating to our cause at promokitchen.org donate. We would sincerely appreciate it. See you next time. Thank you.